0: Now I want you to turn your Bibles to Romans chapter one, and if you are here for the first time or it's been a long time first time in a long time, we're kicking off a brand new series and and I don't know you know a lot of you, you know, we all come from different backgrounds, so I don't know like if if some of you grew up going to church, some of you didn't, but maybe if you grew up going to church, you attended a church where the topic of the message was always determined on what the day was, so for instance, you know if it's mother's day it's like here we go, Proverbs 31, man. Let's jump in. We're going to do this. This is not going to be a Mother's Day message. I'm sorry, mothers. Uh, but actually, I've got a message for mothers. It's just that dad's going to be part of this as well. Uh, all of us are going to be part of this. But I, I just, I do want to pause just for a moment and, and say thank you to our moms, and I appreciate the difference that you've made. But not just that. Um, man, we have so many what I, what I call spiritual moms here. And whether or not uh, you have had a mother who invested in you, the beautiful thing is, we have spiritual mothers who, man, who, who invest, who disciple, who mentor. And I just want to say thank you for the difference that you have made. And so whether you're a foster mom, uh, you know you've you've adopted, or whether you've just spiritually adopted a daughter in the Lord. Thank you for the difference you're making for the kingdom. It means so much. You know, uh, last, last year um, we did for, uh, it was during COVID. And so we, we had some videos of, of, we asked a bunch of kids, a bunch of questions about moms. You get the funniest answers, man. I'm just, we, uh, and so there, 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 there's something uh, that I want to share. Uh, <laughs> second graders were asked, uh, you know, about their moms. And I got to share these answers with you, okay? Okay. Um, First of all, the first question was, why did God make mothers? Um, one kid said, she's the only one who knows where the scotch tape is. <laughs> Another one answered the question, why did God make mothers? By saying, to help us out of there when we were getting born. I love that one. I was, that was <laughs> great. I thought that was awesome. And, and, uh, and then, what kind of a little girl was your mom and, and one, one little guy said, I don't know because I wasn't there, but my guess would be pretty bossy. Um, <laughs> another, another girl said, they say she used to be nice. I like that. They <laughs> say she used to be nice. Uh, th- this one was amazing. Um, what would it take to make your mom perfect? On the inside, she's already perfect. On the outside, I think some kind of plastic surgery. <laughs> oh. Oh, man. Yeah, um, if, you, if you could change one thing about your mom, what would it be? One kid says, she has, the, she has this weird thing about me keeping my room clean. I'd get rid of that. Another person said, I'd make my mom smarter. Then she would know it was my sister who did it, not me. And then another said, I'd like for her to get rid of those invisible eyes in the back of her head. So. Oh man, it just—I I thought that was amazing. Second graders give it like it is, man. You're gonna get a straight answer. You know, what? What if? What if, as as moms, you invested and poured your lives into kids, and you never got a thank you in response? Some of you are like, "Yeah, that's my life right now. That's my life." No, no, seriously. If you, if 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 that happened, I, I know, based on my own mom she's told me, like, if I didn't, you know, express gratitude as a kid, you know, I'm just, that's probably a jerk, you know, or whatever. She's like, don't you know what I went through to bring you into this world? And, you know, and so, so when, when you pour out and you give, when there's, when there's no appreciation of that, ingratitude hurts, right? But I, but I actually think that there's, well, I, not that I think, I know that, and, you know, sometimes ingratitude in, in moves past hurt to indignation, like, seriously? And I, I know, listen, moms, you guys are awesome. You, you will do what you do just because you love. And, that's man, that's why we love you and we do appreciate it. And, I, and, listen, kids, guys, make sure you spoil mom today. Get it over, you know, just just, man, let her know how much you love her, but don't stop with just one day. Man, let her know day after day how much she means. Just take her out to eat. But, 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 but I, I've thought of this. What if, what if all this investment, there was never a thank you? And we see that when it comes to moms or parents, dad, even, even dads, come on, guys. Father's Day's coming up, same thing there. But what, what, what do you think God thinks? What do you, what do you think God thinks when it comes to our Ingratitude, you know, is, it, is it, you know, oh, he's supposed to be okay with this because he knows we're not perfect. He knows, he knows who we are. He's okay with, with ingratitude. Well, let's see what, we, what he says about this. Romans chapter 1, verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness, listen to this, who by their unrighteousness, look at this, suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So, they are without excuse. Now look at verse 21. This really stood out to me as I was studying this week. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God. Look at this. Or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. And, and if we'll, we'll, keep on, we'll keep on reading. We're gonna come back to this. Man, he just, he just said, okay, fine, I'm gonna give you over this. I'm, I'm got, in essence, I'm gonna I'm let you go. I'm gonna give you what you're asking for. And man, men exchanged natural, you know, naturalations for, the, they begin to, he gave them over their own lust. they began to burn with lust for one another and women. It, it's just, you start reading through a lot of this, there's a lot of darkness that we see mentioned here. And, and it's, you know, I'll guarantee you that nobody showed up here on Mother's Day and, and, and you just were thinking, you know what, man, let's go to church and let's suppress the truth about God. Can we do this together? Let's go suppress. No, nobody shows up. You are, you're intentionally doing this. In fact, me bringing this up, you're like, dude, I'm going to tell you right now, I just showed up to come to church with mom and just sing some songs. Can you just give us a message so we can get out the Outback and beat the Baptist? Can we just do this? Now, I want, I want us to talk about this because this whole suppressing the truth is something I don't think we think about. So what, what does it mean to suppress the truth? And, and here's what I'm talking about. It's to live as if God isn't real. It's, it's to live as if God isn't real. Well, why, what's the reason th- these people are doing this? Well, it's right here in verse 21. They refuse to honor God and give thanks to him. It's, it's ingratitude. You, you know what makes God angry? When we don't think him, when we don't acknowledge what he's done, when we don't recognize what he's done, and you're like, okay, okay, I struggle with that because it just sounds petty. He's God for crying out loud. Hold on a second. What's at the heart of ingratitude? Okay, so let me, let me just use this example. You guys know what plagiarism is? Right? Like you take a class, high school class, uh, college class, you know, in the, w- when they talk about all of this, when you're writing a paper, they, they have strict guidelines on plagiarism. Plagiarism is where you steal someone else's work and present it as if it's your work. In essence, what, what it's doing when, when you present somebody else's work as your own, you're saying, I'm the author. Actually, you know what you're saying? I'm the authority. These are my words. In essence, they're not your words. You're, you're dependent upon the writing of someone else. And so this is why plagiarism is, is a big deal. In fact, this was just a few, I say a few years ago, probably the last six, seven years, a very well-known pastor got sued for plagiarism because he published a book and about a third of it he had ripped off from, from a theologian. And you know why? I have zero problem with that. He should have been sued. You should be sued I have no problem with that. You're, you're stealing credit that does not belong to you. You're saying, I'm the authority. I'm not dependent on their work. This is my work. Let, 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 me, let me use another analogy to make sure, because, you know, why, why, why would God be wrathful about this? Okay, hold on a second. Let's think about this. Let's go back to World War I, all right? I'm a, I, I like studying uh, wars, World War I, World War II. Uh, let's go back to World War I. Let's just say, you know, as, as, as we're fighting, we captured a German soldier, he was taken prisoner of war. How would that prisoner of war be treated? Well, there are international guidelines that demand at the very least that they're treated with some measure of respect, even though they're going to be in a prisoner of war camp. It's not the Hilton, for crying out loud. But, but at the same time, there's, you know, there is a level of respect. What would happen if a U.S. citizen was discovered to be working against the United States and partnering with another country during a time of war, what would happen to them? They would be executed. Why? Well, because it's like, okay, a U.S. citizen owes a debt of gratitude to their country. Why would they do this? There's, there's a difference because the, 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 the German soldier, for instance, to use World War I as, as, as our context, they're doing what they're to do. But, but a U.S. citizen doing that to the country, that's treason. You're, you're a traitor. That's a problem. So you can be sued for ingratitude. You can be executed for ingratitude, using the two examples that, 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 that we've looked at. So let's examine this within the context of, of, of God and us. We know that God's a creator, right? He created us. He created all that is. Colossians reveals the fact that in Christ, he sustains us. Literally, every day, he sustains us. Minute by minute, to, to use this, God is our author. He has authored us. Ephesians 2.10 says that he has already written our, the, the plans for us. We're his workmanship. We're created in him for good works. He already has this written. He is our, our author. And so, so here's my question. Though, though we generally acknowledge that he exists, the question is, though, are we suppressing the truth? Do we acknowledge in a theoretical way that he exists? Or are we living as if he exists? This is the real question. Have, have we given him mastery over our life? Do we give him authority or, or do, we, do we grab onto the authority ourselves saying I'm the author? Do we submit to his word, his will, his way, or, or do we instead say, I'm an independent person. I'm my own authority. Listen to me. This is why this is a big issue, and we're going to be talking about this over the next several weeks. If, if this is us, we're saying, I'm my own person. That is cosmic plagiarism. We're taking credit from that is God's credit and saying it begins with us. So let me take it a step further. If God is who he says he is, if God has done for us what we're, even, what we're talking about this morning that, that he's done for us, he's given us all of these blessings, wouldn't it be fair to say that we owe him an eternal debt of gratitude? I mean, what do you give someone who's given you all things? What do you owe that? I mean, come on, just Everything. We, we owe them the, the blessings are, are from him. But here's the hard truth that, that is not, it's like, man, Mother's Day, this is heavy. What you doing? Come on, Keith, give me a break. Now, listen, listen, here's the hard truth. When we're living for our selfish interests, we're not acknowledging God as authority. It's like, like for instance, everyone, uh, this happened a little while ago. Trey was home from college, and I needed him to go pick up something at Walmart. I didn't want to go. And so I gave, him, I, I gave him my debit card and said, hey, go pick something up. This would be as if God gave us his debit card, and we're like, ah, let's go to Hawaii. I'll be kicking somebody's tail, you know what I'm saying? And so when we see this, his wrath has been expressed in this context, can we understand what's going on? You think mama gets mad about you not saying thank you? What we see here, verse 21, although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. And so what Paul is doing here this morning, he's, he's calling us out, if you will. He's making us think about this. And what we see in, in these verses is, first of all, ingratitude leads to suppression. It's suppression of the truth. And in fact, we end up lying to ourselves, convincing ourselves we don't need God. Ingratitude leads to suppression, but, but, but did, you, did you see that? They became futile in their thinking because they did not give thanks, and their foolish hearts were darkened. This suppression then leads to darkness. And guys, here's the reality. Darkness leads to all of the problems we see in this sinful world. We live in a fallen world, right? Right? I got one amen. That's good. <laughs> we live in a, in a broken world. We see this. In fact, just for example, I, I went, uh, we were doing some sermon prep, and I said, Jason, we were talking about this. I said, man, why don't you, I just want you to collect some headlines from just this week. So this is over the, just the last few days, headlines, newspaper headlines. School shooting in Rigby, Idaho. Did you hear about that? Sixth grade girl goes with a gun, shoots three people. Come on. Couldn't happen in Idaho, well it just did. A Maryland woman set set a home on fire while another person was in it and sat in a lawn chair and watched it burn. A southern GOP leader in New Orleans defended slavery because many of the slaves loved their masters, so it's okay. This happened I think Thursday. A Chicago pastor was attacked and literally had his eyes gouged and parts of his ear bitten off. NYPD is hunting an attacker who hit an Asian woman with a hammer for wearing a mask. Just yesterday, there was a shooting in Times Square. A four-year-old girl was shot just because an argument broke out. Australian mom convicted of killing four children. Okay, I'm not going to read all the headlines I could read. And you're like, well, you're just using extreme cases. Listen, this was just this week. Okay, these, these are headlines in our cities, and our nations, around the world. But, here, but here's the crazy thing. There aren't just newspaper headlines. We have headlines of our heart. And this is what I want to talk about, the headlines of our heart. In, in Romans 1, if we, if we look at verse 29, there's just a, a, a list, and this is dark. I, I admit this. These people that he just gave over to their own imagination, gave over to the the lust of the flesh. It says they were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they knew God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. Listen, we have a problem. Our world has a problem. We are ungrateful toward God. We're taking credit for what he's done, in essence saying, we don't need you. We're lying to ourselves. We're lying to others. And this suppression, this suppression leads to darkness. This darkness leads to not just the headlines that we read, the headlines of our own heart. Because what I just read there either marks us or has marked us. Those, those words, this description, it's dark, but it describes us. And you're like, come on, man. Can we just skip ahead to the good part? Well, I'm glad that there is a good part. And that's what we're going to be talking about for the next several weeks as we, as we break down this, this book of Romans, specifically Romans 1 through Romans 8. Because there is, there is more to the story. I love the fact that in Romans and what we're going to be looking at, I love the fact that there is more to Romans than just the verses that we read. What we see here is a presentation of the problem. There is a problem here. This problem of ingratitude is a problem, but thank God there is more than just a description of a problem. We are introduced to a solution. And what I love about this is it's a solution for every single person that's in this room, every single person that's in your family. Literally, we have the solution. And we see this introduced as we go back to verse 15 when the Apostle Paul who's writing to a church that is diverse, it's made up of, of the traditional Jews that, that were, were steeped in Judaism and, and all of that, and also new Gentile Christians, we see it in verse 15, he writes, I am eager to preach the gospel to you "'Who are in Rome. "'For I am not ashamed of the gospel, "'for it is the power of God for salvation "'to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, "'and also to the Greek. "'For in it the righteousness of God is revealed.'" From faith to faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. And what, what the Apostle Paul breaks down, and guys, this is what's going to be the theme of this entire series as we lay the foundation today. Here's the good part. The good part is the gospel. If you don't hear anything else I say today, know this. The good part is the gospel. And today, for the next several minutes, I want us to understand. We've got to understand what the gospel is because you're going to be hearing this word over and over and over, over the next several weeks. What is the gospel? Well, quite literally, the gospel is the good news. And so, when when we hear good news, uh, I want to make sure we understand this. Actually, if you go back to this time and place, the gospel is actually kind of like their version of the news media. Okay, what are you talking about? Okay, so so here's how it would go every army had messengers, they called them heralds. And the heralds would carry news about what had taken place in battle. So for instance, let's just say the Roman, the, the Roman army won a battle, or I mean, it didn't have to be a Roman army, any, any ancient army won a battle, they would send out their heralds in different directions toward their cities. And so the watchman on the wall would see, would see the, the messenger coming and, and there, there's a message and the people would gather and, and the guy would run in to the center and he didn't have time to break down all of the details. All he would do is he would say, victory. Victory. He gave a message of victory and then he took off running because there were more towns that he had to go visit. And so what I see here when we talk about the gospel being the good news, this is Paul saying, Man, I'm eager to preach the gospel. I can't wait to bring you the good news of victory in the face of overwhelming darkness. Man, I think for every message, I'm just gonna come running from the green room. I'm just gonna come in the middle, Victory! I'm gonna run off the platform, actually. Now you guys get too excited, like, "Hey, that's a great sermon. Why don't you do that?" No, no, listen. Now this is this is good news, not bad news. You know, the headlines that I read, we have a lot of bad news. It is true, we live in a fallen, broken world. Man, guys, over the last month and a half, I just seems for whatever reason, because of the nature of my position, I've had to share way too much bad news with people. I've had to share with kids that their parents have cancer. I don't, that's a tough message to convey. Man, I've, I've had to address sin in marriages, and, and there, there had to be what I call a come-to-Jesus meeting. I don't like being the one to bring that sort of bad news. There are things that, that I've had to address. I hate bringing people news of, of pain. I, do, I, I don't find any pleasure in that. But I'm so thankful that what I have the opportunity to do over the next several weeks, in spite of all the bad news that is all, all around us, to keep coming back, the gospel, it's the message of victory in the face of overwhelming darkness. There is good news because of Jesus Christ. Man, this is so good. Guys, I'm, I'm telling you right now, without coffee, I am so fired up. Just get ready. It's gonna, I'm probably going to like fly off, okay? So, so we've got the gospel is good news, but here's what makes up the good news. We can be saved. I love this. At the heart of the gospel is this news we can't be saved because here's the issue. Left to ourselves, we're in trouble. The darkness of the verses that I read, verses 29 through 32. Man, way too long in my life. Those, many of those words marked my life. This is who I become when it's all about me and my way. When I'm the authority, I'm not only at odds with God, But I'm at odds with other people, and ultimately what I find out, I'm at odds with myself. Man, even my future, there's there's this frustration about my future, because, man, I want to control this, and it's not going the way I want it to go. There is this frustration that marks me. And what I don't understand, though, part of this, there's this distance uh, between myself and God. Whether or not I even realize it exists, there's something that's off. And the reason, maybe I don't even know this, I'm condemned already as a traitor, and I will face the wrath of God if left to myself. But here's the good news of the gospel. God has intervened to rescue us through the work of Jesus Christ. And it's a work of reconciliation because, first of all, he reconciles us to God. When Jesus hung on the cross and he took our sins upon his shoulder, he bore the weight of that sin himself. He did so to reconcile us to God. But he didn't stop there. He died also to reconcile us to one another. May we just finish a series on this, bury the hatchet. Talked about reconciliation. We just spent a lot of time breaking this down. He died so that we can actually love others the way that Christ loves us. Hello. But not only that, he has reconciled us to ourselves because in Christ and by the power of the Holy Spirit, we are now able to become what God always meant for us to be. Not children of wrath, but literally sons and daughters of God that can sing here together. You're a good, good father. That's who you are. This is what he's done for us. This is how he has reconciled us. And what I see is, is the beauty of this. We can be saved, and salvation delivers us from the guilt, the power, and the pollution of sin. And instead of separation from God, we now have relationship with God, given an incredible new destiny. We're going to talk about this later, but it's a hope of the glory of God. There is something that we have here that is amazing. And so what Paul is writing is what I'm declaring. I feel just a I say just as strongly. He was pretty strong about it, but I'm just telling you, this fires me up. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because it's about real deliverance from sin and its power and reconciliation with God. Man, this is good news. But here's some more good news. You want some good news? It's not about your work. It's not about my work. It's about his work. Oh, that is good, right there. Nobody clapped or anything, but I like it. Now, Jesus' work is our righteousness. Christ's work is our righteousness. Listen, man, we don't think about this, but when we are dependent upon our own work for salvation, we're literally being ungrateful. Okay, so let me illustrate this. So, now was a few months ago. Cassidy, my daughter, turned sixteen. Did driver's training and all that. I bought her a bright red car, little, little red car. And, and, here, and here's the thing, she had talked to me about a car. She prayed about a car, intentionally sent me text messages with links about cars. And so, so I bought her this car, and, and here's the thing. She had no idea I was, I was buying this car. She was at school, and so bought the car, parked in the driveway. So when she pulled in, uh, when she and her mom and everything came, came and Lori came home from school, she's going to see the car sitting there in the, in the driveway. Now, I want you to put this picture. Okay, let's just say I did all that, which I did. But let's say that she walks in, and I'm like, hey, do you see anything different out there in the driveway? She's like, well, yeah, I saw the red car. I'm like, what do you think? Well, I can't take it. What do you mean you can't take it? It's just not right. It's not right. I, I've got to figure out this myself. I, I've got to do this myself. You know, I, I can't accept this gift from you. I, I've got, listen, even, even if I have to walk to school, it's, I'm going to do this, Dad. It's not fair that you do this. And so I, I'm going to be the one that takes care of this. And so I'm sorry, dad, I, I, I know you bought this, but I just can't accept this gift from you. He'd be like, what is her problem? By the way, she did not do that. She's like, <laughs> I mean, we are like, well, what's up with that? But come on, man, when we put all the weight, like, I got to do this, I got to do this to show God how serious I am. What are you doing? You're being Ungrateful. You're saying, your work's not enough. I'm going to put the weight on myself. It's like, I I went for lunch the other day, and dude, I don't know why I said this. I hate it when I say something like this. Um, You know how they always have, you have the race for the check, like they bring the check out, and everybody dives for the check. And you're like, "Uh, that happens? (laughs) Well, it happened here. And so the guy beat me to it, and he pulled pulled the check back. And, and, And he's like, I got this one. You know what I said in response? I'm getting the next one. It's like, that's what a stupid, ungrateful thing to say. Instead of saying, man, thank you for picking up the check. It's like, oh, I'm going to get the next one. What kind of transactional jacked up relationship is that? You want to be friends with me? I'm a jerk, man. I'm just telling you right now. There you go. (laughs) But in essence, man, that, that is literally, that is what we do so often with God. We put all of the, the pressure on ourselves. Listen to me. Stop it if this is you. Just stop it. Watch you build with your hands. You have to sustain with your hands. And I'm telling you, our hands aren't big enough to save our souls from the wrath of God. But Jesus Christ's work is enough. It's enough. This is the good news that we can be saved. It's the good news that it's not my work. It's, it's his work. But, but, but here's, here's more good news. Man, the gospel is actually powerful. There is, there is power in this gospel. And I don't think we understand the significance because I think a lot of times we, we view our salvation like, you know, we took our little three-cylinder uh, Geo Metro that, that's all caked with dirt and all that sort of thing to the car wash. And so, so salvation is us going into the car wash and coming out on the other side of the car wash, just a cleaned up clunker. And you're like, my car's not a clunker. If it's a Geo Metro, come on, admit the facts, Okay. That is not at all what we're talking about here. No, conversion, salvation is much more than just a cleansing. It's also a deposit of power. The Holy Spirit is given us. In fact, let's use the car wash thing. It's like you go into the car wash with your little Geo Metro, and something happens in the middle of the car wash. And what takes place is you come out and and you had the engine of a Ferrari attached to the frame of your little Geo Metro. When you hit the gas, you're actually going to go somewhere. You know what I'm saying? It's not like you're like Freddie Flintstone in your little feet trying to get your GeoMetro going. No. God has given you a power. This is the gospel. It's as if It's as if God took this this old motor that is caked and cracked and broken with rebellion and evil. It's marked by all of this that we read in verses 29 through 32. And he replaced it with a humming, roaring version of himself. He embeds within us the very essence of Jesus Christ. He gives us the Holy Spirit. There is a power in the gospel church. There is a power. It's not just that we can be saved from sin. There is a power that breaks the chains of sin in our life. I'm telling you right, right now, this is what Paul is talking about. This is why he said, I am eager. I cannot wait to preach the gospel to you. It's the power. And man, I, lo- I love this last thing. I'm going to end with this. Last piece of good news in his description here, his theme, if you will, his thesis of all of Romans. He lets us know that the gospel is for everyone. Literally, the gospel is for everyone. Everyone. Because the gospel is the power of God, God's no respecter of persons. And listen, if it was us, we're respecter of persons. It's either gonna be for the strong or it'll be for the weak. It'll be for, you know, the person that has their act together or it's only for this person or for the rich or for the poor. Well, you know, we, we have all of our thing, things. We, we live, we don't like to admit, but we live more transactionally than we do graciously. But because it's God the gospel is for everyone that's why i love john 3:16 for god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son jesus christ so that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life i love this it is for all who believe every single person but there is a qualifier if you look at verses 16 and 17 it is for everyone who believes. So, so what is belief? What, what, what makes up this kind of belief? Just believing that God exists? No, because it says, Paul's already said, we know him, but we live as if he doesn't exist. So, so it can't mean just like a head knowledge. But yet, I, I want us to understand that belief does require knowledge, but it's not just a head knowledge, it's a belief in something, something tangible. It's a belief that Jesus Christ died on the cross and he died. Not, it's easy for us to say he died for the sins of the world, but let's personalize this. It's belief that he died for my sins. And it's a belief that Jesus Christ's work was enough. So, so belief is knowledge, but not just any knowledge, it's specific knowledge, but, but, but you've got to understand that belief, this belief requires a heart response to the gospel. And I, I want to say something that, that, that it sounds exclusive, and I guess it, it should be, it is. Unless our hearts are touched and moved by this truth, then we do not understand the gospel. We do not Understand the gospel. We're suppressing the truth. See, it demands a heartfelt response. And here's at the heart of this response belief requires a commitment to Christ. And this is where the the knowledge and the heart response sync up. This This is when a person, a person who is treasonous against God, a person who's ungrateful, who's been suppressing. The truth about God, living as if He doesn't exist, claiming that I'm the authority, I'm not dependent on anybody, I'm my own person. It's all about me. This is where that person surrenders. It's where we raise the white flag and we acknowledge I actually do need a Savior. But we we don't turn to something else or someone else. We turn to Christ. And so that response is, Jesus, I need you to be my savior. I need you to be my Lord. I need you to be my God. This is a belief that results in a commitment to Christ. This is the belief that Paul is talking about. man, these beautiful words, powerful words, inspiring words that Paul writes in verses 16 through 17, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our words, that are gonna be ringing in our ears over the next several weeks. This is it, it's the gospel. The good news of victory in the face of the overwhelming darkness of today's headlines. But can I tell you that every single time the gospel lights up the darkness? The gospel wins every single time. And so here's how we're going to do this over the next several weeks at the end of every message, at least the messages. Uh, that I'm, I'm preaching, Well, I'll have a couple times, I have uh, some of our other pastors helping me teach. There's going to be an invitation. Now, if some of you grew up in the church and, and an invitation was, you know, where they'd sing Just As I Am 72 times until finally somebody took one for the team and went down there just to get that guy to <laughs> shut up. That is not the invitation that we're going to be giving. Now, this invitation is not going to be the manipulation, because this listen, it's the gospel. I don't change a heart. I don't open somebody's eyes. It's not me. It's the gospel. But we're going to give an opportunity for people to respond. So at the end of every, me- at the end of every message in the series, I'm going to pray. And at the end of the prayer, I'm just going to ask, if anybody respond to the gospel, and what I'm going to have you do is, if it was you, I'm going to have you stand up. I'm not having anybody, everybody bow your heads and close your eyes and raise a hand, because I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Either we're changed or we're not changed. And so so the reason I'm doing this is not to embarrass anybody. That's not the point. The point is, man, let's stand and be counted. Not only that, let's celebrate what God's done. God got another one. Come on, man. this This is what I'm talking about. And so we're gonna do this every single week of this series. And so if you're watching online, I can't look into your living room or anything like that, but if it's you, I want you to stand up too. So let me pray as we close. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the power of the gospel. Thank you how you can change the ungrateful. And Lord, you can so transform us to which we understand not just the depth of our sin, but the immense, the immensity of your grace and the powerful salvation that is ours through Jesus Christ's word. And God, as I'm here, maybe there's somebody here they've never responded, but God, in your faithfulness to them and your graciousness to them, even as I've spoken today, you have opened their eyes, and, and today they want to go on record, I'm making a commitment to Christ. It's not just, it's just not a knowledge in my head. No, I'm making a commitment to Christ. And, Lord, for what you're going to do, I want to thank you for the two that stood in the first service. God, for what you're going to do. And, and, and if, if it's your will, if you've done that today, we want to thank you for that. I don't know what's going to happen in the third service, but I'm already trusting you with that. So, God, for what you're going to do, I thank you. And I pray this in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. And all God's people said? Amen. All right. So I'm going to ask anybody this, this, this morning, even as I prayed, you responded to the truth of the gospel. This is you. You're saying this is this is, I made a commitment to Christ. But, you, I just want you to stand up not you stand up? Come on, come on, guys! Praise God! This is what we celebrate, guys. This is what it's about. This is the power of the gospel. I want everybody else to stand. And I would just say this, uh, you know, to each person stood. Listen, we want to help you take next steps. We don't have all the answers but we're going to point point you to the one who does. And so we want to have the chance to connect, make sure, man, I'd love to talk to you, but it's so cool to see what God's done today. Guys, I'm convinced, I'm convinced that God's not done. And if God's not done, here's what I can say with full confidence. The best is yet to come. We serve a God who's able, we serve a God who's greater. And so guys, I want you to go today in the power of the gospel, being grateful for the God who has saved you, also be grateful to mom. She'll appreciate that too. Have a great day. You're dismissed. Thank you for being here today.